the things that we're talking about in this series are things that we all need to understand. Um, and I, I love the idea that it doesn't matter if you're walking outside this wall room tonight, or you're going to college far away, or you're staying here, or you're in a family that, that knows Jesus and loves Jesus, or you're in a family who doesn't give a rip. Um, it doesn't matter where you go, you're going into a battlefield. And you're going into places where you do have an enemy. His name is the devil. He's the accuser, the liar, the tempter who wants to destroy your faith. Um, and so last week we talked about that. This week we're talking about if you're going into a battle, you need to know what's the terrain that I'm going into. Right? So, you know, a lot of people, um, if you've seen any, like, war movies or if you've seen, like, uh, movies where, like, they fly planes over the enemy and they, what do they do? Like, they, sometimes the planes don't even have any guns. They just have, like, cameras to take pictures of how many tanks, what's the ground like, what's the terrain, uh, how, how are we going to be able to, to move here, where, where might people be, and so they're taking pictures. And so if you were going to go into a battle, you'd want to know, what terrain am I going into? You'd want to have a like, topographical map, you want to have all the photos you could, um, because how you fight in a swamp is going to be different than if you were to fight um, in the mountains. Totally different. The gear that you would bring, the way that you would approach that. And a lot of us, we get so excited, we're like, I want to fight for Jesus, I can stand on my own. And it's like we're running into a battle, but there's like, <laughs> like a hundred foot trench that's been dug. And we like run, and we're like, we can do it, and we see the enemy, and we're going to fight. But we haven't studied the terrain, and so we just fall into this pit. And so um, that's what we're talking about tonight, um, the terrain that you guys are going into. And so we're going to talk about what is the terrain, what is the landscape of this culture. So this is going to be a little bit intense for the next three minutes, but it's something that we need to know and be aware of because it's the air that we breathe and it's what we're walking into. Um, so the first thing, um, there's a map that's coming up. And you, you may have seen this before because I've shown it to you before. Um, but when Christianity began, after Jesus uh, was resurrected from the dead and uh, appeared to his disciples, and they start going out, and they, they take him seriously. They say, okay, we're going to go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to the ends of the earth, and we're going to share the gospel. Um, for the first, like, two or three hundred years, they experienced a crazy amount of persecution. Then something happens in um, 313 AD called the Edict of Milan. And it's basically at this point where it becomes illegal to persecute Christians. And so there's this guy named Constantine, and he sees the tides of Christianity moving, and he's like, I want to be a bandwagon fan, and I want to get on this Christianity bandwagon. Um, and, see, and, and so he makes this rule, and he makes Christianity the, um, the, the, the religion of the Roman Empire. So, cool, a lot of you don't really care, but you need to. This whole green section, the age of Christendom, this is when Christianity is in bed with power. This is when, um, so like things like the Crusades happen. So a lot of people are like, oh, the Crusades, Christians are so bad. Yes, but also Christians are even worse when they're connected um, and often when they're in power. Um, and, and so sometimes when you read about Christians throughout this, it, it, it's, it's Christianity mixed with government. Um, so anyways, and something called the Enlightenment happens, and there's this skepticism towards religion. And um, basically, you live in this red part. The past 200 years, there has been a shift, um, and there's three things that have happened that I want to point out. Christians have gone from the majority to the minority. So most people in, in America would say that they were Christians. That, that's just like they would mark off that they were Christians. Well, I don't know. Were they really Christians? Were they really following Jesus? Probably not. But most people would say that they were religious. They would mark that they're Christian. Um, and, and what we've seen is there's a rise in not necessarily atheism, but there's a rise in people who put none. I'm not religious. 
I might be spiritual, so when you talk to your friends, they might believe that there's something else out there, that there's a higher power, there's something, but they might not believe, um, but they don't, don't want to label themselves or attach themselves to a religion. So you've gone from the majority during that green part to now the trend is to be the minority. So like, you guys are kind of like, for you guys to be at church and to be here tonight, you're kind of like an endangered species. Like to take your faith seriously. It used to be really cool to be a Christian. And it wouldn't cost you anything because everybody was it. But now it costs you something. Now it's not just the cool thing to do, um, even though we're cool. Um, <laughs> so we've gone from the majority to the minority. We've gone from the center to the fringe. So again, uh, we were the center. If I were to tell you I was a pastor like 50 years ago, people would be like, wow, you must be really smart and well-educated, and that's awesome. And now if I tell someone I'm a pastor, they're like, you're weird. What were you, did you like, <laughs> just the last occupation you could choose? They're like, what was going on? Um, and so we've gone from the center, we used to, like, like Harvard, Yale, um, we, we were a part of like the center of politics and of education and the early scientists who were Christians, and now Christians have been pushed kind of to the, to the fringe and to the outside. Um, and so you'll hear things like, well, you don't want to mix your, like, you, you don't want, um, like, keep your faith out of politics. Keep your faith out of, um, like, keep, yeah, keep your faith out of everything. Um, and, and that's kind of this movement. Um, then the last thing, Christians have gone from being well-respected to disrespected, or, if you're on Twitter a lot, a lot of people think we're dangerous. Uh, if you've heard things like, wow, I mean, religions are the reason why there's, there's crazy wars, right? And which part of that's true, but also atheists have, have um, if you look at the different regimes, it's actually been a lot of atheist regimes that have caused, um, like, the most death in the, in the past two centuries. Um, so we've gone from well-respected to disrespected. Um, it used to be that people would look at us and they'd say, wow, that's awesome. You have crazy high morals and you don't want to sleep together before marriage. And that's really cool. We couldn't do that, but that's cool you're doing that. Now things have been flipped where even our morals, they're like, you guys, that's ridiculous. You're immoral. So we used to have the moral high ground. Now we have the moral low ground. Um, cool. Now we're out of that three-minute craziness of our terrain. But you need to know that those are the shifts. And it's going to keep coming. Those waves are going to keep coming. Um, so what do you do? What do you do when you look out and the terrain has shifted and it looks like if you walk into it, you're, you're gonna, your faith's going to get destroyed? You can, one, you can choose to run away and you can go hide in some caves over here and you can practice your religion and faith over here. And there's people called the monks and they did that. And not to hate on monks, they're really cool and they have cool writings. But they kind of just like, just decided we're going to jettison ourselves from the culture and do our own thing over here and have our own little Christian club over here. Um, why, why do you think that's, why would that be a problem with what Jesus says we should do? Yeah, it's supposed to spread your faith. You're supposed to, like, tell people about Jesus. You're supposed to love people and love the poor. So if you're always over here, um, and so we could escape. This is like my family, I've told this a lot, but my family hated Halloween, and so we hid underneath couches, literally, we hid underneath our couch and turn off all the lights, and people would knock on the door and come wanting candy. And we'd pretend like we weren't home. Because um, my parents thought Halloween is, is super, it, it's, you know, and, and it's demonic, and, it's, uh, and, I, and I get some of that, I sympathize with it, but also, like, I always thought, wouldn't it have been cool to just open our doors and, like, give people in our neighbor, like, give our neighbors candy and, like, talk to them and, like, build relationships. But instead, we separated ourselves. But some of us, we do that, we, we separate ourselves from people, um, but I don't feel like that's our biggest problem. I don't think our biggest problem is trying to escape. I feel like it's this next one. It's embrace. Uh, and this is just like wanting to blend in. You look at the crazy terrain, you look at what's going on, and you decide, you know what? I give up. I'm going to go join the enemy. 
I give up, I'm just gonna go party with the enemy. Um, for me, the biggest barrier in my faith, the biggest barrier to Jesus doing anything with my life has been this. It's been my desire to fit in. My desire to fit in has been the biggest barrier for Jesus using me in my life. Um, it, it sounds ridiculous, but um, it, it, when I was in high school, uh, I remember different friend groups that I would go to, and there was this like, I was in honors choir. I lettered in choir, you've heard this. I actually, oh, cool. Yeah, so my varsity jacket, it's, yep, it's, it's pretty cool. I'll bring it sometime, just kidding. Um, but, uh, so I remember I would be in choir and there were these two dudes and they, they would sit between me uh, and they would talk about how they were sleeping around and they would talk about how they were doing all these drugs and I would just lie and tell them that I was doing like all those drugs too and I told them that I was doing, it was like I wanted to fit in so bad that I would lie about sin that I was too scared to do. Um, I'm not saying that it wasn't because I was like really holy, it was like I was just really afraid. Um, and then when I would go to church, I'd want to fit in here. And so I would say the small group questions that everyone would think I wanted, like they wanted me to hear. They wanted to hear. Yeah, you guys get that. Um, and I, you know, I would just say, you know, and it wasn't because I wanted to follow Jesus, but it was because I wanted to fit in. And my biggest fear was rejection. And uh, I just wanted to please people. And I wanted to blend in. Um, but if we're not different than the rest of the world, then we're not following Christ. Um, because Jesus calls us to be set apart. He calls us to be different, not distant, not over here. He doesn't call us to blend in. He calls us to be different. Um, and so we're not supposed to escape or embrace. This is the third thing. We're supposed to engage. And I want you to just listen to this. Jesus describes what this looks like. He gives this really cool word picture. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give it its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So salt does a few things. Um, it brings out taste. My grandma loves salt. Actually, the doctor was like, you can't have more salt. And they like make her have some like sodium weird substitute thing. Um, I don't know why I'm sharing that. Um, anyways, but, but what salt does is it brings out flavor that's there. Um, and so this is what it looks like for you to engage the world. Bring out the flavor, it's going to sound weird, bring out the flavor of Jesus where you go. So in, in your text message conversations, bring out the flavor of Jesus there. Right? In your 1 a.m. conversations in your dorm, bring the flavor of Jesus there. Your Instagram posts, bring the flavor of Jesus there. Be salt. Bring the flavor of Jesus. The second thing that salt does is salt um, preserves things, right? They didn't have refrigerators back then, so they'd put salt, and they would help as a preservative. Um, and so that's the other thing. The call for you, find what is good in the world and preserve it. Fight for what is good. Fight for justice. Fight for those who are oppressed. And then find the good and beautiful things in the world and affirm them. Our culture is all about destroying everything and tearing everything down. But to be, light, uh, to be salt, to be light, is to find the good things and savor those things. Um, the third thing that salt does, which you know if you've been, you tried to see Avengers Endgame and you got popcorn and you're like, I didn't get a drink and I should have because why? You're thirsty. You're thirsty. No spoilers. Salt 
Salt makes you thirsty. Salt makes you thirsty. Um, and so I think that's part of it. Um, when people look at your life and the way that you live and the way that you love each other, when people hear about what you complain about, when they hear your conversations, when they see the things you text, do they get thirsty for Jesus? I, I'm, I've been really convicted of this in my own life. Um, when people hear how I talk about church or how I talk about others, do people get thirsty for Jesus or do they think, why would I want to be a part of that? Good thing I didn't go. Why would I want to be in that church crowd? Like, it doesn't seem like they're more loving or more accepting or more caring. It doesn't seem like they gossip less. But at the same time, there are those moments where we are loving and we are those things, and people say, I want that. I want it. Um, the second picture, and this is the, the thing we'll end on, is Jesus says that we are the light of the world, which is crazy because Israel, God's chosen people, were called the light of the world. Then Jesus is called the light of the world, and then Jesus on display in you, you are now the light of the world. Um, and if you've ever been backpacking or in the middle of the wilderness, um, you know that light is huge. Starting a fire is huge. And I just imagine when this was written, there, I mean, there was no electricity. And so you imagine you are in the middle of the wilderness. It's quiet. The middle of the night. You can't see anything. You're on your camel. No horses. Um, and you're... You start to fear, because you know there are thieves. You've heard stories of robbers. There could be crazy wild animals out there. But in the distance, in the distance, you see a light. And you see a glow. And there's a rush of joy and adrenaline, because you know that that means that there's, there's hope, that there's a place where there's warmth, where there's peace, where there's protection. And I, I need you to hear this. There are people, even in this room, where there's going to be moments in your life where things get really dark, or maybe you go to college and you have a really dark season where the enemy just wrecks you. There will be a moment where you look up and you can see the warmth of followers of Christ and go towards them. Wouldn't that be cool if some of us could be that? Be that beacon that people could go to, that they could find comfort, that they could find rest, that they could be that, that light. And so that's our call. That's the opportunity to be salt and light. And we don't get that if we want to blend in. We don't get that if we try to separate and run away. We only get that if we choose to be different. <laughs> Going with the flow is easy. I love how people are like, oh, it's really rebellious to like, do all these things. No, that's not rebellious. That's going with the flow. That's a salmon going downstream. Being Christian is going upstream against our culture. And that is bold. That's true rebellion. Jesus was a rebel. He invites you into that. And not just a rebel, you know, for a random cause, but a rebel that's for the world because the world needs to know the love of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.